my advice for anyone thinking to start a side hustle is don't overthink it just get started and just do it don't expect for it to be perfect from the get-go and don't get carried away comparing yourself with what others do welcome to the out of hours podcast the podcast for people who are creating things they think should exist in the world i'm georgia ritter founder of outofhours.org a community for people with side projects Over the last year, I've been spending my time exploring how to help more people progress the ideas that they're interested in. I believe that everyone has a great idea, and working on things we care about can help us be more creative, more resilient, and more confident. There are barriers that stop us from starting, sometimes time, money, or network, but also self-belief, not knowing where to start and wondering what other people might think. On this show, I'll explore the stories of people who have followed their curiosity, been brave, and started a side project, only to turn it into something much bigger than they ever thought possible. I'll explore the stories of nonprofits, businesses, creative projects, and social movements to understand the practical first steps they took, the doors these small ideas can open, and the magic that happens when you start taking your own ideas seriously. Today on the podcast, we have Earl of East, a creative business started by Couple, Nico and Poole in London. Earl of East started initially as just a simple creative outlet from their jobs in advertising, and it's since bloomed into a business with three stores and international acclaim. They sell their own cult fragrance and candle range, as well as a curated selection of design-led products, all from local makers. It was founded in 2014 as a small market stall in Hackney. Just three years later, they'd launched three shops, all while still being a side project. They decided to go full-time less than a year ago, and they've since run collaborations with fashion brands like Mulberry and Whistles, and have been stocked in over 200 shops worldwide. They've done workshops in Japan, as well as run online candle-making workshops. They've released a book on candle-making, and the business has more than doubled in size year on year. I spoke to the wonderful Nico in their store in Islington. We talked about the inspiration behind the business, how much it costs to set up, the importance of a vision, and when to go full-time. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Are we talking, yeah? We're talking, baby. So we started Earl of East about five years ago now, Um, and it was Paul and I, we used to live in East London. Paul is from up north, I'm from Germany. Whenever you would come to London um, and end up in East, you would see that very vibrant and dynamic community that... um, that crowd of you know creatives and makers and creators and I think we experienced it as I always say or we actually both always say as outsiders because you would just attend a market um, as a customer you would go to a coffee shop as a customer you know as as couples um, become couples um, you you dream together and you talk about the thing you're going to do together and for some weird reason, <laughs> um, we both always talked about having a market store. Being in East again, being surrounded by markets um, and seeing people do that made it a very real kind of dream. I was like, oh, but, you know, people do that. We could do that too. It was when Paul's dad passed away that we decided to, instead of just keep on talking about it, um, to take that moment and use it as an opportunity to take that energy that was in the room into something productive and something that you know we could look back to and go like remember that day all that time we turned it around type of thing we used to live in victoria park and one of our uh, neighbors 
did a market stall outside of her home. We ended up chatting to her. You guys should do this. It's super straightforward. It's super easy. All I had to do is email this email account. Um, and they invited me in. And we were like, oh, really? And we took it away, sat on it for, I think, about a few weeks, um, and then emailed. And we're like, okay, we're doing this. So when we send out that request, um, we had no clue. And we were like, all right, we'll do this market. We'll figure it out. We gave ourselves six weeks to come up with something. We had to send through a mood board of how our selection would look like. So all we did was like pull things that we had at home and we liked. We're like, well, something like this, maybe with a bit of this and a bit of that. Um, but you know, having the advertising background, we're like, we need a name, we need a logo, we need a story. Earl of East was a Tumblr blog that Paul had set up to stay in touch with his former colleagues. Um, and Earl of East, used to be his nickname because he always tried to convince people to move east. So we just plugged them all together with no strategy, with no bigger intent. One thing we've learned over the last five years is to not overthink things. Um, things will work out or they won't. And at the end of it, you'll be much, much smarter than you were at the beginning. So yeah, we, we decided that we wanted to do a bit of you know, curiosities, a bit of ceramics, vintage ceramics, cause they were popular. So we added plants to it, cacti, um, and then scented goods. Cause we loved, whenever we would go away, we would always come back with a locally made candle. I think it was just two energies kind of colliding, two ideas, a Leo and an Aries going like, let's do this. Cause all, I always say everybody boils with water, you know, like there's no magic in it. If you put your mind to it, you'll get there somehow. Let's talk cash. In terms of that early start, did, you, did it cost a lot to get it set up? Did you need to use savings? The first market stall cost us, I believe it was £25 to just be there. And the, the, the goods um, were mostly things we already had collected. And so items that we would pick up as customers. And then we, I think we just invested the money that you would naturally spend on a over the the weekend drinking with friends so we're like i'm not going to pretend this is investing money right now because when you buy that negroni you don't think about it being an investment so we just decided to take that pocket money and use it into you know goods that we would like because the the way we always explained it to ourselves was that if nobody buys it we'll keep it and we'll gift it to our friends and family members so it never felt like um you know investing or spending or wasting money also when i say money i'm not talking more than 100 200 pounds really all we invested was in into a tablecloth um new shirts that we bought because we were like this is our first day we need to look good <laughs> i guess the first time where it felt more like an investment was when we had to buy the izettle machine because that was suddenly oh we're buying something exclusively for this market store which i think was 79 pounds and that felt like oh but at this point we had already a couple of market stalls under our belt and um, so it paid for itself so to speak you now do the four c's right yeah, these are our four C's, so uh, create, curate, collaborate, community. Um, five years ago, uh, or six years, six years ago now, we did a creative camp over in the US with our friend Sonia. And on our way to the camp in the car, she was like, so people are going to ask you what it is you guys do, um, and you need to just be able to nail it down in two sentences, because um, there's 250 people there. 
so we kind of established that then and there um and it stuck and for 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 a while we had our own goods within the curation but always kind of at the on the back shelves we were never like oh look at what we've created and the minute we shift um you know positions and perception of our own um and ourselves um we ended up with within the following three months we ended up with 25 stockists um which was insane because we were making everything still at home in our kitchen and you know from our favorite independent boutiques to selfridges um and then we continued pushing for it we were like all right let's see where this roller coaster can take us and uh go full speed and we and we kept going and going and going um so much that basically what be started off as a curation became pretty much focused on ourselves so we ended up just being an earl shop earl of east shop how did you actually move from doing market stalls to having phys- physical space because you've got three so what happened there was that um we were looking for a studio space um that was really the 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 main reason we were producing candles at home um and we couldn't anymore uh, we couldn't keep up it became um too painful to come home after our day job to make the candles to wake up very early to box them up to welcome the DHL driver suddenly the business shifted from being um an a 6 to 9 to moving into the 9 to 6 world um because of the people that we were now working with so we needed a studio um but we wanted that studio to be also uh, you know client facing we wanted it to allow us to start curating again um so Paul was looking for a right space um and a space like that is quite complicated with licensing which I didn't know much about and I have to be honest I still don't I leave all of that legal official stuff to Paul but it isn't that complicated there's I think like a restaurant license a cafe license a, a studio license a workspace license you get the gist like basically different categories um but for something like we wanted which is a workshop but also shop license they don't really exist on a high street Paul found this space which we occupied 3 years ago in East London on Grandston Avenue which is a side street. We used to weirdly enough we used to live right behind that very building and never really noticed it because it is on a side street. Um but yeah, he found it online, fell in love with it because the elevation of the building um is the same as the little house in the core of our logo. So I was sold. I was like, "Yep, let's go and view it." It's like there's a sign and I'm up for it. We viewed it and it had such a good energy. It used to be an old um uh woodworking studio. Um so very old, but always very like productive. A lot of like I don't know, good energy. You felt it. And everybody who comes in says it. They're like, "It's such a nice, good, warm energy in here." And I think we picked up on it as well. Um but that space um had no licensing so they didn't know what it was so we basically told them what we needed it to be and the council just said yeah okay because they didn't have a track of it that's how old it was so we managed to create our studio space um and up the front we have a little coffee counter with a, a a selection of goods that we've curated um you know some of our favorite brands some of our favorite makers and creators and our own goods And I remember, you know, when we moved in, we were like so much space. What are we going to do with all of the space? And a year later we were like we need more space. And then along the way, um last year, uh Coltrop's yard 
got in touch in King's Cross. Uh, they got in touch to ask us if we were interested. And initially we said no. We're like, we are interested, but we're too young. We, we, we don't know how to do this. Like, this, this is way too early for, for the business of our size. Um, and then we sat on it for about half a year. And one day we started talking about it again. And we're like, maybe we just have to. Maybe we just go for it and see what happens. Maybe it is the, you know, once in a lifetime. Because um, the leases are quite long over there. Um, so we arranged a viewing. We went to it. Um, went to it again and again and again. I think there was many, many lunch lunch breaks that Paul and I, but mostly Paul would go and be in high vis and his build the boots and walk around the development and yeah then we decided to just go for it and we put everything onto when I say everything I mean like literally everything that the business has ever generated onto one card and be like all right we're gonna play this card now and hope for the best and we did and we uh, we opened up last October October 2018 now um, and it has been the most amazing journey from you know from the growth you go through as a on a personal level um to how you have to become like now now you're a business owner like being on a back street where we made the rules we would decide what day we were open what day we would do our workshops um what week in august we were shut for our summer holidays like as you do in life you think you know it all and then, and then you get dealt that card and you're like oh okay um I'll figure this out but um, and I think for Paul it was very very stressful and mostly because he had to do a lot of the paperwork as well um, he suddenly became a professional in HVAC and uh, all the electricity things and um, getting like a, a block of paperwork approved by the um, by the uh, developer but yeah then we opened up the door and we thought we job job done type of thing and I think it was the 26th of October midday we opened up the doors People came in and I think we felt like, oh, okay, we can breathe now. Um, and within, I think, two days, we realized that, oh, no, this is now the next chapter because now we have to keep that that shop going and we need to, you know, train our team up because we suddenly went from three people to 15. And we're like, oh, okay. And the bills became bigger and um, the risk became naturally bigger. The business became that little bit too big for it to um for, for for us to just let it do its thing it's almost like when you bake when you make bread and you let the the dough kind of raise and become its thing you can leave it unattended for as long right you know it won't it won't exceed the the the, the bowl you've put it into but there is a point like five minutes where you have to watch over and you're like okay i need to wait for the timing and i think that's what we're going through at the minute that we have to be there to watch it and make sure it doesn't fall off to the right or the left or the back or the front that it sticks together um oh i like that example used. <laughs> i love food <laughs> So do you think it started more as a creative project than a kind of business? Yeah, 100%. The 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 whole I guess project um used to be a creative outlet. That's what we used to call it. Um and I, even today if you look at how we describe ourselves, we call ourselves a creative business because that really 
that is really what it is and through different phases we started with a curation then we went to send an own brand exclusive to going back to a curation to introducing um, collaborations and workshops and a store and coffee so it really is what it is you enjoy I think you know you might have the perfect business plan but people might not respond to it so you will naturally have to adjust it at least in this arena um, a business plan feels a bit ancient as an approach i think sometimes people in full-time work they have a kind of craving to create something and not just in the sense of paint or write or um you know whatever um but actually just kind of come up with something tangible that's like an expression of who they are and, and the kind of life that they want to live and i wonder if that resonates with you at all initially we used it definitely as a vehicle to i guess express who we were Uh, in a creative sense I think again we both used to be in advertising and a supposed creative function but the truth is you still sat at a desk behind a screen for about eight to ten hours a day so you feel a bit you feel a bit weird in your creativity because then when you go you know and see people that are truly creative with their hands and um, that create product we got quite jealous of that um, and I think you know even a putting a display together and taking a step back and looking at it and going like, oh, we did this. And people then passing by and going like, oh, this looks nice. It's like almost somebody verifying what you put together is so cool. Or like when, when friends pop by a shop in their neighborhood and they take a picture and go like, oh, look, see what I found. And I'm like, that's crazy because we, we make them in our studio. And I think that is like an, an emotion which is quite difficult to... Um, at least it was quite difficult for me to achieve in my agency life. And I loved working in the agency I was in um, and I was proud of the work I would deliver, but it was never me. I was just functioning as part of the team to create what the brand, what the, the client really needed. It wasn't a, a reflection of my identity, I guess. Do you think having, while you were doing it on the side and having it as a side project, do you think it made you better at your job or was it a distraction? Um, I think running the two along another has probably been the best thing we've ever done. You know, in regards to being time efficient and effective, because every second matters, um, you don't you just don't have any time to to waste. Um, so if something comes in, um, I had to quickly execute it and and reply to it and do it and find a solution because I had so much more on my plate and then the other thing that has been super super good is that you take insights from one world and then put it into the other so it truly gives you like such a well-rounded view on everything that you do in your day job knowledge that you take from there that you can build into your own business um, a very easy example for me for instance was the comments I would hear in at the market stalls what people would ask me what they cared about um that i would then be able to take back into you know social content this is what people are into this is what people care um but then in the same time my agency my agency job allowed me to attend talks from you know thought leaders um which As a, if I only would have that market stall, I would have never gained access to. So I think that is something that people often overlook and often jump ship too quick. It comes with sacrifices, right? There is no spare time. Um, you feel like you constantly work. 
Um, but if we wouldn't have done that, we, we would have run out of money. If we would have gone over to being, you know, Earl of East London business owners too soon, I think it would have put too much pressure on us. It would have killed the joy and the fun. And then it would have made it into a business way too soon. I went full time Earl about six months ago. And, you know, it was a question and a thing, a transition we knew we had to do. We knew we had to do it at some point. But that point we weren't very clear on. Because um, I don't, again, I don't think you know. You try to make everything work. You don't want to change routine either. The business makes the decision for you. And a lot of people had told us that. And I was like, how the heck would a business make a decision like that? Like, there's no one that talks back to me. Um, so I couldn't really understand it. But then, you know, things fall into place. And you and you just look look ahead and you go like, well, physically and mentally, I am not able to do those things if I have a nine till six. And then, yeah, the other myth about, you know, not giving it your role all if you're not full time in it. I don't I don't think that's true at all. Between six and midnight, I still have a, a lot of time to make the most out of. The end goal always remains the same, which is we are working towards something that we're both very proud of, um, that we both v enjoy very, very much, um, and we just love doing. So as long as I think you don't lose track of what you're aiming for, no matter what conversation you have, no matter what problem you're facing, you can get over everything, as long as you, I guess, believe in, in it. I think the other myth sometimes that puts people off is this idea that they have to work all the time. And you do have to make sacrifices, I think, and you do have to work a lot. But I guess one of the benefits of a side project is you're kind of in charge of that ebbing and flowing. It's a decision, like you're deciding whether you want to progress it or not, you know. But I just want, I, everyone's got kind of different opinions yeah. on that. I, I think what we did from the get-go, um, I think we're both from very working class backgrounds, so we both grew up with people around us that would work literally from four o'clock in the morning till the very late hours of the evening. So when we started this business, we basically got working, like we didn't stop working. We did work very, very late and you do work very, very hard, um, but it doesn't feel like work. It only feels like work when you sit down and you're like, wow, I've done a lot today and I am shattered. Um, but I think you're right in the sense where you say, you know, you control how many emails you get back to um, and when you do what and how many more projects you take on. Um, But ultimately, I think when you do your own business, you get a bit addicted to it. Um, and it's like a, a weird rush, um, like a good one um, that you just want to... It's like a roller coaster and you want to see where it's going to take you. Because if you don't have a dream to, to, to work towards, it feels like you're kind of stagnating in a, in, in a weird sense. In those moments, because I think everybody has those moments where they have either self-doubt or it's just kind of you've had like a lot of highs on the roller coaster and then it just actually normalizes but it feels like a low do you have any techniques of things that you do which help you feel a bit more grounded or driven at moments where you're feeling a bit down i think whenever we have a low um which you know happens so many times because you're like oh i didn't do this and i was i was meant to do that um But we uh, we talk about it. We talk about it to everyone, to the team, to another. And I think getting it out of the system 
is so important. I think if you just sit on something and you pretend it didn't happen, it, it will come back at you. At moments like those, I always um, focus on what we have achieved as well. I find it just helpful. I'm like, all right, this didn't work out, but we have also done X, Y, and Z. I can't afford to have lazy days, but some days I know that I'm not as efficient as I can be, um, but I don't uh, punish myself for it. I'm like great i'll know tomorrow i'll have to work twice as hard i think it's about letting those th those lows and those you know doubts exist process them just don't don't let them stick i i do mean that and i think we're very very different personalities both of us paul and i so again it is a really good thing to have um two people in it or a group a collective um because if you face something that you feel like it's impossible to overcome um, in a conversation, somebody else, um, your partner, your your crew, even a group of friends, even your your grandmother might be just able to give you the, the solution you're after. I think the other thing that people sometimes say is, oh, I just don't have any time. You know, I'm working really hard, you know, and then, you know, I want to see my friends on the weekend, blah, blah, blah. Did you find at the time when you're sort of doing it as a side project any kind of techniques or did you just make the decision that you were gonna that is the biggest I, I think the biggest problem the biggest challenge with with having a side hustle and it may be becoming your full-time gig and business is time time becomes so limited we ended up so, losing so many friendships because we shifted focus and from you know going out and getting drunk and having fun um which you know at times you miss and you're like oh man why do i have to get ready for a stupid market today um instead i would just prefer to go and have fun with my friends but I guess what you do is like you suddenly enjoy different things like you enjoy when a customer comes by and like starts talking to you about their holiday like I don't know it's like a weird warmth that you just learn to accept and acknowledge and uh, it fulfills you in a different way um, and then also again like you make so many new friends it's not to say that you know <laughs> by friend by old friends I don't care about it but you also make so many new connections from other makers to traders to just customers that become your friends but it is hard that is by far the, the absolute hardest thing to to figure out what happens really is like you know when you go from school to uni and from one job to the other you make friends and you lose friends and I think it's just a very natural a natural progress and, and a circle um, that you just go through in life and I think people that stick stick and if you don't see them for a few years a few months um, the minute you have a window and you go like I'm here now available true friends um have an understanding that right now the next five years you're on your journey do your thing see how it goes um we're here we we applaud you we salute you we are here for you i remember when we launched our first candles all those friends we hadn't seen they all came in and i think paul was quite teary as well because he's like the, the ups and the lows um he's more emotionally connected i think it's friendships and downtime these are the two things that we not yeah we struggle with i think as you say though it makes sense to kind of think about it in context because i think all things become really hard to deal with when they feel permanent and i think if you sudden if you're ruminating and you think oh this is me now i'm just this workaholic who really loves their work but has lost other parts whereas if you think 
I'm growing and I'm expanding and this is a period of time where it will be a bit different and there'll be a struggle but you know on the other side you know there, as you say those other friendships will be strengthened and it's kind of something you need to go through whereas if you feel like it's permanent and it's forever then it's maybe a bit harder to deal with yeah I think so too and to accept that as well it's easy just always to stick with the negative and stick with what you've lost rather than look at what you've gained because you know people I've crossed paths with people that I would have otherwise never, ever, ever have met. Um, f and it's coming back to those creatives and the creators that use their hands. It's even like the energy that people that work in this world have. It's so, it's so interesting. They would have to do so many other jobs um, so that, you know, they had technically also a side hustle while doing so many other. They're basically just hustled through life. I, th I always found that very inspiring to hear like, how I, I guess what it is is that people stick with their guns and they believe in themselves and I'm like yes and now you've achieved it amazing um, and I love that I just love that journey and that's why you know whenever we end up working with people from you know hosting other workshops or um, just selling their goods their creations in our stores or um, just on events collaborations whatever it is I, I think that's always what we look for like people that will inspire us in that in that way them giving you that makes that hole that you suddenly have in your soul if it fills it up again as you said earlier like what how you grow as a person and through time and with what it is you're doing I think that has helped a lot along the way when did you think the right time was to hire was that just straight after the cold drops yard yeah so the the reason why we went from three people to 15 was because um, cold drops opening hours are from 10 till 8 every Monday to Saturday and then on a Sunday from 11 till to 6. Um, so we needed more people simply to fill out those hours while Paul and I were in our office uh, jobs. We were selling more candles, simply put, so we needed to produce more um, and we were just two people in the studio now we are four and a half um so everything basically just became a bit bigger because again going from a back street to cdy was a huge jump um and you know we went through the what they call growing pains um because we were growing and it was painful <laughs> so um but it's been the most exciting journey. Like, we've learned so much. I think the whole reason why we're currently in Islington um, is because we are also in Coldrop's Yard and the developers saw us there, saw what we do and how we do it. Because I think because we're not from a traditional retail background, I've never worked in retail. Paul had, I think, only worked in retail as a teenager. But I think our approach in retail is a bit different. Um, you know, whoever comes into our spaces we speak to as if they're our friends um there is no i don't do silence we always think that you know if it is about silent transactions you do that online the minute you're on on in a real life scenario meeting real people there will be we need a communication like we need to, to a dialogue otherwise this whole point of you know why we started this business or this business initially as a hobby we've lost sight of and i think the minute you lose sight as to what was the bigger picture really why did you start what 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 hole in your soul were you trying to to, to fill and if you forget about that and that is you know why i always also say don't look to the left and the right because granted people are going to do exciting things people are going to be better than you sometimes and that's fine 
Like you can't be best in everything. But as long as you don't forget why you started and as long as it gives you what you need it to give you and what you need it to be for you, you're good. I think people sense those things these days. People are much more tuned in. Um, and, you know, customers appreciate authenticity. I always say when people start new in the team and they get nervous when they talk about a product, I'm like, you just tell them it's your first day. Or, I mean, how much is there to talk about a scent and a candle? I want to know where people come from, why they decided to walk through the door, who they are and who they're going back home to. I think retail often gets a bit of a, you know, is considered a bit of a lesser lesser industry like and we experience that in 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 our stores you know people people look at you a bit with a bit of oh i'm sorry you you're in a, you you need to work in a shop um but they forget that it's it's so interesting you work with humans with so many different type of people um and i just love talking to people and looking at them and seeing how they behave ironically you're probably a lot better at sales right if you're actually and maybe that's not your driver but it's a funny weird consequence of it i think yeah i I think so too i think if you if you enjoy what it is you're doing you will naturally be better so as long as you enjoy what it is you're doing you're going to get there piece of cake type of thing i think one thing that's interesting that kind of embodies both of your attitudes to starting a business is the fact you do the workshops because you're quite literally teaching people how to make your product which i just think is amazing because it's like it's the reality now of like how some of the best brands and businesses operate which is just create a community give freely um but it's it's quite brave i think in some ways i think workshops are such a huge part of our business or have become a huge part of our business and we we thoroughly enjoy hosting them facilitating them um just you know having team members teach is just amazing to to see um again it it allows us to connect to the whole reason why we started which was to you know allow us to get a sense of belonging and a sense of community people do try to exploit your your uh, generosity in the sense of you know I do we do literally open up our doors for people to come into a studio and we tell them as you said um exactly what goes into our products um how we do it what they need to look out for we've done a book um about exactly that same process but I think scent is so personal um same with flavor you know um but scent even more so probably um that I always use that as an example in our workshops. I always say that if I would be to give the 12 to 14 attendees we have every weekend, um, if I would be to give them five different oils, no one would create the same blend. Workshops have been amazing. We In April, we, were, we did a pop-up in Japan where we taught uh, 12 workshops. The fact that, you know, we could connect to Japanese people um, and create like a sense of community over there we fell in love with Japan regardless, but that made it extra special. And how did the opportunity to do a workshop in Japan come about? The opportunity to do the workshop in Japan happened because of the power of social media. We get a lot of customers, for instance, that come to our workshops from the Middle East and the US and Turkey. And I'm like, how do you... I'm like, welcome. Yes, thank you very much for being here. Like, I even feel bad when people have to travel up from Putney to East London to come to my workshop on a Sunday. I'm like, thank you so much. It's like a long way, I understand that. Um, And I think, you know, Joska found 
saw us on Instagram, got in touch. We 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 obviously said yes. When shall we come tomorrow? And we just made it happen. Um, it was a bit more lengthy than that. Um, I think it took us about a year to figure out the dates and book it in and make sure it worked with our work schedule because we back in April we still had our full-time jobs also. Let's talk about your Instagram because you've got something like 27 point something thousand followers um, which is pretty amazing. Um, how did you build that? Because we were maybe on it quite from from the get-go when we started our business um, and we were always quite active on it and quite vocal. We would share good things, bad things, basically your journey. And I think people appreciate honesty. Um, and then obviously selling, uh, I guess, homewares, people, um, you know, will buy something that they really like looking at and enjoy. And then they will post it on Instagram and then having also a dialogue with them on that channel as well. Um, is quite nice. Yeah, probably just having a voice and being fine with not being for everyone as well. I think people are sometimes a bit scared. They, they think about, I have to please everyone because everybody has access to it. Um, but you won't. So with the Instagram, um, was it something that just kind of organically happened and grew or did you use any kind of techniques that you'd learned in advertising to kind of move it forward? No, the Instagram following grew quite organically. I think what, if I pulled any learning from my day job as a social producer and, you know, formerly community manager was um, to always be human. You know, social media was made for people to talk to people. It wasn't initially made for brands to talk to consumers. Yes, we do have at this point a look and feel that represents the brand and a tone of voice, um, but it is nonetheless very human. Um, I, I would say 45% of what it is we post, we it we grab on our phones um it's not planned we don't do um you know that that social media planning when it when it's going to get published maybe we should maybe it would make life easier but we it would take the joy out of it as well i think i think taking a step back and looking at what each platform means for you as a person who uses them um and what you therefore would expect to see from a business a brand whoever it is, um, and just catering to those needs. And talk me through um, a little bit about the sense specifically. Was there a particular experience that you had growing up or when you were together where you sort of get, started to get especially interested into kind of scent creation? I grew up with my grandmother, um, who was, you know, a, a Greek goddess in the kitchen with all of her spices and herbs and I remember as a kid I would prefer to hang out with my grandma than the kitchen to see how she how she adds flavor and spices to her dishes rather than um, be outside and play with my friends and um, same went for Paul he he loved hanging out with, in, with his grandparents in their garden with all the different florals and same in the kitchen um, and I think we realized that we both because, you know, scent and flavor are so closely linked um, that it played a huge, huge part in who we are as people. And I think throughout that process, we also suddenly you would you would like smell something and like a memory that you had forgotten yourself would suddenly just pop up and you would want to share it instantly. So we even used it to find out more things about another and become a, a, a you know, a tighter partnership. We enjoyed it. We were like, this is a hobby. But as with any hobby, the more you do it, the better you get with it. Um, and, you know, the first few times when you go to your, I don't know, 
your your soccer football um training or when you go to your swimming lessons you're not good but that's fine um and that's why why it's so great because you can get better with things and that's what we kept on doing we kept on coming back to it every evening um and find what essential oils we liked and what which ones we didn't um and the good thing is also that we pretty much like and dislike the same things with the um exception of neroli which i love and paul hates um but other than that i think yeah it, it just became something that we just really really enjoyed it's like a a hobby that sometimes couple couples have don't they when they i don't know they love going climbing together or traveling or i don't know other things because i think it's interesting that you've mentioned both that there's some kind of link to what you're interested in when you're in your kind of earlier days but also recognizing that it's not that kind of thing of it was always my cooling and my dream and it just came to me and because I think sometimes that myth really freaks people out they go I don't know what my purpose is I've no idea and then they sort of cling on to some random thing that they're instead of just following curiosity and kind of seeing where that goes I think that that question of what is my thing how did you find out that candle making and sense where your things um I used to get this question so so often and I for a long time I was like oh my god I need to come up with something clever to tell people like what to say because they like they ask you that question with so much expectation um but I uh, I think I came to the conclusion that there isn't there isn't such thing as your thing um there is a thing that you make your own I think it's a different if you look at the sentence all the right words are in there but you just have to rearrange them you you will come across something that you just like and because you like it you will make it your thing there is no such thing as like you know as a kid I always liked to play I think those stories they exist but they're very uh, romanticized versions of real life um I don't think, yeah, I don't b believe in that. Like, I was okay in a lot of different things, but I was never the greatest in anything. Um, so I never had, like, a thing. I used to be okay in maths, and I was all right with, with languages, but I never had a thing. My thing was just, like, hanging out with my grandmother. <laughs> I think that was my thing. Um, yeah, and then we just stumbled upon this, and we just fell in love with it, and we went, like, all right, if we love it so much, so let's make it our thing. Well, bad then that I've asked you what the essence of the <laughs> forced you to come up with the old myth but no I think there's truth to both parts aren't there really so one question around actually discovering that thing because I think that's totally true and I think you put it in a really beautiful way but I think even when people hear that they still go that's all very well but I just don't know where to start sometimes it's a sort of magical thing that it comes to you but do you have any tips of where people could start with that I think starting with the thing um is you know taking the idea that you have and not constantly questioning the idea itself and going like oh yeah i have this is my idea but i'm not really sure about this and i'm not really sure about that and i'm not just just you know do it like write it down maybe start there not in form of a business plan just like on a piece of paper if you want in your in your phone um and i think that sometimes is quite useful if you i don't know if you book in a meeting with 
somebody that you go like on that date I'm going to present you what I'll be doing um, or I'm going to show you the first prototype uh, and if you don't do that I think it will always remain as just that that idea I'm thinking about doing maybe maybe not and then you discuss it with all of your friends and everybody says oh no but this exists already nobody is saying that you're going to reinvent the 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 what is it what do they say the wheel you're not going to reinvent the wheel that's not that's not what we're talking about what we're talking about is just like doing something enjoying it and making it your own um you know picking up something a craft a hobby whatever a passion and turning it turning that very thing into what you need it to be thank you so much nico no problem thank you thanks so much for listening to the out of hours podcast to hear more about Out of Hours, sign up to our newsletter at outofhours.org. And if you want to check out Earl of East, head to Instagram and search Earl of East London for their beautiful and inspiring updates. Huge thanks also go to Nathan Weber for his help in editing this podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving us a review. 